And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to just open to Revelation chapter 1. And I'll wait till everyone does that. And it is Easter. It's the it's like the first week of Easter, I think they call it, which makes no sense to me because in my mind Easter was last weekend. But the idea I want to look at, well, I guess just have your Bibles open to Revelation chapter one. And this is this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, right? That's why they call the book Revelation, because it's one revelation. Okay? It's a revelation from Jesus Christ, given uh, to the church through um, through the servant John, who was one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, John wrote the Gospel of John, and he wrote a couple of other letters in the New Testament called 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And he also wrote Revelation with the help of Jesus, resurrected Jesus. And so he says in verse 4, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia or Turkey, right? That area there. All right, it was just called Asia back then. This isn't talking about China and you know that area. It's talking about Turkey and around that Middle Eastern area. And he says, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. I love that about God, that he describes himself like that. I used to think... I don't know if you just noticed that that scripture there that you just read, but it doesn't start with the one who was, who is, and who is to come. It doesn't do it chronologically like that. In fact, it doesn't. I've never seen it anywhere in the Bible. In fact, it repeats it again. The first mention of God is the God who, the one who what is, the one who is. Like he's present. He's he's now. He's, he's supremely relevant to any situation you find yourself in. And he also is the one who was. So if you look back and you see, oh, that was God's hand. You know, that was, he was there. He was, always was. And he will be the one to come, or he, he is uh, the one to come. The one who is, was, and will be. And then also, so that's God, right? And then he says, also from the sevenfold spirit, or from the, from the, from the seven spirits. But the sevenfold spirit. So it's one spirit. I was talking about the Holy Spirit, sevenfold spirit, perfect spirit, before his throne and from Jesus Christ. So here's this, here's this introduction, and it says this is from God, the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ, right? He is, speaking of Jesus, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, praise God, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. Wish they knew that, right? But this is what the Bible says, that Jesus is the king of the kings. He is the Lord of the lords. He is the boss of all the bosses, whether they believe it or not. One day, it says that everyone's going to bow to Jesus and they'll know who he is, right? And it's really cool that he's the first to rise from the dead. And we celebrated that last Sunday, remember? Resurrection Sunday, that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, we should celebrate, celebrate that today as well, that Jesus is alive. And next week, let's do that too. And the week after that, let's do that too. Let's celebrate the birth of Jesus every single Sunday too. Let's do that. Let's celebrate the fact that God became one of us and he rose again and now he is the supreme ruler of everything, right? Isn't that awesome what God has done? All glory to him, says the, says the writer. After he thinks about all that God has done, all glory to him who loves us 
and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. I want you just to look at that verse yourself. What has God done for you? He has shed his blood for you through Jesus Christ. He loves you. He loves us. And he has freed us from our sins. That's wonderful news. Isn't that wonderful news? We don't have to be chained to our sins anymore. We don't have to be guilty of our sins anymore because he has freed us from our sins. How? By shedding his blood for us. And then he says, not, he finishes with who God is and what he's done for us. And it's something else that he's also done which involves us. In verse 6 it says, He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. All right? And then he goes on to talk about how um, he's going to come back again and everyone's, and he's the one who is and who was and, and will still be to come, the Almighty One. Now, it's interesting that in the middle of that, in verse 6, I want you to look at those words. It says, he has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. He has made us a kingdom of priests. All right. What does that mean? Let's see. I know. What's a kingdom of what's a kingdom of priests? What's a kingdom of priests? Gary Gaza, my next door neighbour. Gary Gaza and Cherie, Australian couple, right? Into footy, barracks for Geelong. Gaz thinks I'm a priest. Which, which, you know, I think that's hilarious because, one, that makes me a nerd in my mind, but it also makes me, like, separate from him. Like, and I don't want to be separate from him. I want to be his neighbour. I want to be on level terms with him. I want to be able to chat with him over the fence. And we do that. And we've done that over the years. And he's, I guess, the, the idea of him, me being a priest has kind of, I've come down off of my pedestal in some way, shape or form. I don't know, whatever Gary's put me up on. Um, but but now I'm just Ian. But you know what? The Bible actually says that anyone who believes in Jesus and has received the Holy Spirit in their life is a priest. That's what the Bible says. I want you to keep your finger in Revelation and, and turn, if you can, to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll read it to you anyway. You don't have to worry about it if you don't worry. If you don't want to, it's fine. I like, I like reading the Bible myself because it reads me. And if I look at the words on the page, the Holy Spirit's able to kind of speak to me, I guess, through them. And I notice things I didn't notice before. In fact, last week when I was preaching, I noticed someone on, um, on the Bible app, they, they kept reading through what I was preaching on. And they probably weren't even listening to what I was preaching. I don't know. But they, they noticed some other things in the, in the passage. And I thought, that's really cool. So, and they highlighted some things on the Bible, which is awesome. Anyway, that's a sign. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, right? It says, but you, this is speaking to a church, Christians, right? Peter writing to Christians. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. That's a beautiful picture of how God has saved us like he saved us, but he's given us a responsibility to be priests. Now, 
you're probably thinking, I don't want that responsibility. Too bad. God's given you and I the responsibility to be priests, right? Now, what did the priests do in the Old Testament? They offered sacrifices for sin. They talked, they interceded between regular folk and God. And they interceded between God and regular folk. But one thing that kind of stood out to me really a lot in the Old Testament is, because I've been doing some reading in Samuel and Exodus and Genesis and looking at looking at the uh, Leviticus, looking at the priests and their roles, is that they were the only ones that were allowed to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which was a, a box where the presence of the Lord was. And, and if anyone else carried that, they would die. I know, that's really harsh. But... But I guess I, I, it took me a while to understand. It takes me a while to get the picture. But, you know, as I'm reading through it, anyone who ever touched it, like even some, I think it was some oxen even, were um, killed. They had to be killed because they touched it. But only priests, only particular priests could actually carry and, and touch that ark, carry that ark on these poles with um, golden rings that held the poles in, you know. And so they were carrying the presence of God wherever they went. And wherever the presence of God went, there was always favour. Even if it was in, actually, not when it was in enemy territory, there wasn't favour. There was lots of tumours and boils and whatever. But it went to this one guy's house once, this, this ark, went into this one man's house. Instead of going back to the temple, it went into this one man's house. And his house... And all of these people that lived there, they, were, they had God's favour on them. They just, everything went well. It was awesome. And they were protected by God. But these priests, I digress, these priests were, pe- were people that carried the presence of God. And I think that's a really good picture of us. Every single Christian, doesn't matter how old you are, like literally or even in the faith. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. It doesn't matter how much you know about God. If you've trusted Jesus as the saviour of your sins, and forgiveness of your sins, the saviour of your soul, then you are a carrier of the presence of God. Now, our church is called Hope For, all right? Sometimes I've wondered, do you know, couldn't I just call it Pakenham Wesley and that would just mean real easier for everyone? But the idea of Hope For is that it's a house of prayer for everyone, all right? And we bring hope, or Jesus brings hope for people. All right. But our calling, I believe, as a church, first and foremost, as a church, is to be is to pray. All right. Now tonight we we pray every single time we have a church service. We pray, and I believe we have been specifically called to this place, each and every one of us, to pray, to pray. I believe that hope for exists for the sole purpose to pray for revival in our state and in our in our town. All right. Now, revival meaning people coming to know Jesus as their saviour. People coming to know that God loves them and has shed his own blood for them for the forgiveness of their sins as well. Wouldn't that be wonderful if everyone knew that message? Wouldn't it be great if everyone actually knew that God loved them and he died for them on the cross to forgive their sins? And that, that he actually is the owner of all things and he lives in he's in heaven and the only way to get to heaven is through the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus Christ has made a way for us to be forgiven and there's no other way. And if we trust in Jesus, we'll get to heaven. Wouldn't it be great that if we could, if we could get the most people in Pakenham to heaven this year, 
You know, like, you know, look around the room. We're just part of a body, a larger body in, the, in this area. But the, the chief purpose of the body of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is to represent him in this place. All right? And all of us have got different gifts and different talents and different abilities, but we can all pray. And we can all carry the presence of God with us wherever we go, all right, and whatever we do. And I believe that prayer is, I guess, the, the beginning of that. It's the, it's the engine room for all that we aim to be and do as a church. But I believe prayer is, is not just it. I believe we need to be like the priests and carry the presence of God in, in, into, the, into the environment we go into, into our week, into our marriage, into our friendships, into our connection with our kids, into our problems, into our joys, into our hardships, into our um, finances, into our jobs, you name it, into our studies, into our personal private time whatever you've got, into our holidays, carry the presence of God into those everywhere, okay? Um, prayer. Now, you've heard me say this before. I actually don't believe in the power of prayer. Don't leave. Because, because all religions have some form of prayer, all right? Hindus pray, Muslims pray, uh, Buddhists pray, and they pray to different things at different times. There are people all around the world who pray to Mary, to angels, to demons, to Satan. There's people who pray to their ancestors that have died and they don't follow our Lord Jesus. There's no power in prayer. There is power in the presence of the Lord. There is power in the presence of the Lord. And when we when we pray, when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name, right? In other words, we're praying um, in His the, the way that He would pray. We're praying in His name, in His reputation, in His in His idea of how things should be. We're we're agreeing with Jesus in what we say when we're talking to God. All right, that's praying in His name. The Bible says that there is power in the presence of the Lord. Um, Psalm 97, verse 5, says, The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. That's pretty good presence. The mountains melt like wax. Like, I could get, I can understand wax melting like wax, but mountains melting like wax. Right? It's really figurative. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Okay, that's Psalm 97, verse 5. Luke tells us there is power in the presence of the Lord. In, in chapter 5, in verse 17, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And it says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Why? Because Jesus was there. He was teaching. He was there. He was present. Where the Lord is present, there is power. There is always power. Okay, and that's why 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 singing songs of worship songs, I believe, not just about God's songs, but to God's songs, 
gets our eyesight off of what the world says is powerful and it gets our eyes on a spiritual eyes onto who is really powerful and recognizing his presence with us in the room and everything else just melts like wax and there's power present to heal prayer is the engine room of our church but practicing the presence of god is the power behind the prayer it was the presence of the lord that went with the israelites through the wilderness so in Exodus chapter 13, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So it was a show of God's presence with them. Okay, it wasn't his actual presence because it, in his actual presence, everyone would, would actually just disappear and vanish because he is so holy and magnificent that if we were to get into his presence straight away without any blood of Jesus, then we would all waste away. In fact, one day that will happen. The Lord's presence stayed with the Israelites, with them, the whole time as they travelled around the wilderness. Psalm 139 tells us that the presence of the Lord is everywhere. So where it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there, speaking of God. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. I'd like to say to you guys tonight that I sense the Lord's presence with me everywhere I go. But I don't. But it's true that the Lord is with me everywhere I go. And, and likewise for you guys. I'm sure you'd like to tell me that you sense the Lord's presence everywhere you go. But you probably don't. But it doesn't negate the fact that he is with you. That he is with me. But I can say today that this is God's will for each one of us to practice the presence of God in our life, to know he is with us in every situation we face, every heartache, every high, every low, every disappointment, every frustration, every sin, every victory. He is with us. He is present. And if he is present, guess what else is there? Power. God's power. Wherever the presence of the Lord is, there is power. In the, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord, there is freedom. It is God's presence that makes a difference. And it's God's will that we should be practicing the presence of God. Now, what I mean by that is recognizing his presence with us as we are present with others or in, you know, in, in any situation. Here's uh, an example out of the Bible, just one example, Joseph, all right? Hands up if you know Joseph, Technicolor Dreamcoat. Okay, so Joseph, he had ups and downs in his life, right? Maybe he started off as a little bit arrogant as a young fella, but he had, he, he, he had ups and downs. He uh, turned with me, or you don't have to turn with me, but in, in Genesis 39, it says that Joseph shared his dream with his brothers. They got jealous. They dumped him in a cistern. They sold him to a group of traveling Ishmaelite traders who were the early Muslims. There's no need to say that, but that's basically 
the Ishmaelites were, uh, heading to Jerusalem. Uh, they sold him uh, for gold, and they was, he was sold then from there to, uh, to a man called Potiphar, who was an official in Pharaoh's office. All right, So he worked for, for, the, for the prince of Egypt, Potiphar. And Joseph was a slave. And it says in verses uh, in, in 30, Genesis 39, verse, between verses 1 and 3, that it says that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph in that slavery as he was being taken away and thrown into a cistern and sold to um, foreigners and then sold to an unknown person. He was treated as a, as a number, not as a person, but it says the Lord was with him. And while Joseph was in Potiphar's house, he was framed by Potiphar's wife for some kind of assault and then he was sent to prison and um, in verse, verses 20 to 23, it talks about how it says again that the Lord was with Joseph in that as well. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was practicing the presence of God wherever he went. He honored God. He obeyed God's laws. And he did the right thing as far as he could. He tried not to sin against God. Did Joseph know that God was with him every moment of the day? We don't know. But God was with Joseph every moment of the day. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us. God is with you every moment of the day. Every moment of the day, he is with you. You may not be put in a cistern, which is you know an underground pit, but you could be in conflict with those who are jealous of you. God is with you. You may not be in the hands of Muslim traders, but you could be in the hands of people who should know better. Did you know that God is with you? You may not be a slave to a foreigner, although sometimes it feels like it in Victoria. But sometimes you are falsely accused of something you didn't do. You may not be in prison for something you didn't do and forgotten for, for about oh, for years. But you may feel as though you are. God is with you. God's presence in your life is not a feeling, it's a fact. And realising that fact is what sets some apart from others. We have a responsibility to, to um, pass on to the world what God is like. <laughs> you and I are the, are the only Jesuses that people will ever meet. I know that's a lot of pressure. That's a, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Don't you think? I, I think it is. I don't mean to put that on anybody, but... That's, you are. You're the representative of, of Jesus that, um, yeah, someone might yeah, not have any other uh, representatives in their life. There's a story in the Old Testament, and I'll finish with this because I don't want to take too much time, keep it nice and short. But um, the purpose of this message is for you guys to know that God is with you, but also that you are a carrier of his presence. You're a priesthood. You're a priest, right? A kingdom of priests. There's a story. It says in um, in it's in Exodus 33, and um, it's after um, God has given the Ten Commandments to um, to Israel or to Moses, and he's gone down, and they've um, he come, he's come down off the mountain, and they've made this golden calf, all right, and then he's smashed the Ten Commandments. And then he's basically he's gone up to, uh, he, he's interceded, he's prayed on their behalf to God 
And uh, God's like, okay, no worries at all. Come up to the mountain again and spend some time with me. 40 days, Moses went up to the mountain. 40 days, he didn't eat or drink, and he spent time with God, right? We had a bit of a time of prayer before, and it was a bit of an awkward silence for about a, about a minute or so, wasn't it? Imagine that 40 days. 40 days, just time with God. Because we were in his presence. We were in God's presence tonight. We are. And Moses goes up on this mountain, and it says in... Um, Verse 12 of Exodus 33. Did I tell you where to go? Exodus 33. Uh, in verse 12, it says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favour. So he's having this relationship with God. And he says, and remember, he says to God, and remember that this nation is your very own people. And then the Lord replied to Moses, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Isn't that great? Could you imagine God saying that to you tonight? I will personally go with you, Flora. I will personally go with you, Theo. Just put your name in that in that space, you know. I will personally, God, saying that. Beautiful. And he says this to Moses, right? And then verse 15 says that Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Wow. So Moses is saying to God, you need to come with us because we need you so that we can represent you well. If you don't come with us, then how are the people going to know that we are especially yours and that you are God, and you are with us. And so then the Lord replies to Moses, okay, all right. Verse 17, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. And Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Show me your glorious presence. Show me your glory, God. I want to, I want to see your glory. And then, the, and then the Lord says in response, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from the from behind, but my face you will not see, will not be seen. That's a beautiful picture because what Moses asks for is God to show him his glory. And then what God says to Moses is, I'm going to pass by you and I'm going to reveal my goodness, not my glory which is, I guess, his goodness is his glory. He says, I will, I will make all my goodness pass before you. 
for you may not directly look at my face, but for, for no one may see my face and live. And he says, as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock. God's presence was going to pass by, his goodness, his glory, everything, right? And, and Moses couldn't see him face to face. So God hid him inside of a, between some rocks so that he couldn't see God's face going past him, but he could see God's back. And I think that's awesome because when it comes to God's goodness, often we don't see it on the day. Often we kind of look at our situations and we go, oh, I don't like that report from the doctor. I don't like that report from the mechanic. I don't like that report from the whatever. And we kind of go, oh, gee, this is, this is bad news. This is bad news. But then, like months down the track, we might look back at that day and go, I'm glad I got that bad news that day. Otherwise, wah, da, 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 da. and so when we look at the back of it, we can see God's goodness. When we look at hindsight, it's we can see God's goodness. But I just love that picture of God's presence. You know, and Moses saying, "We're not, I'm, we're nothing without your presence with us." And God says, "This is my presence. It's my goodness." <laughs> and so, let's get back to that finished. Um, Revelation chapter 1, where we're looking at the resurrected Jesus. He's, he's, he's glorified. He's in the presence of, of God the Father in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God, and he's glorified. He's, he is uh, supreme, and he, he's, he, he's revealed his love for us, and he's freed us from our sins by shedding his blood on the cross, and he's made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. He's made us a kingdom of priests. Each one of us tonight here are a priest in his kingdom. We carry the presence of God wherever we go. Now, you might be thinking, how do I do that? Well, it's easy because God has poured out his Holy Spirit in your heart because of your faith in him. It's not about you trying to be good, trying to be holy, trying to be Jesus in a situation. It's actually not about trying. The way we represent God well in every situation we find ourselves in, in fact, the way I've found it easiest, is not striving, but surrendering. The more I surrender to God in a situation, the more he's able then to reveal himself through me in the situation. And I'm able to be a carrier of the presence of God, like the priests in the Old Testament, carrying the presence of God. And whenever the presence of God went, there was victory and there was favour. All right. And sometimes it didn't happen the way that people thought, but his presence, in his presence, is power. There's fullness of joy. There's freedom. There's power to heal the sick, power to love the unlovely, power to forgive, power to share Jesus with others, power to raise the dead, power to survive in hard times like Joseph did and, uh, and come out victorious on the other end. And used by God. Power to overcome the struggles of life. So hopefully the message for us tonight is that not only do we recognise who Jesus is and who God is and how victorious and, and glorif glorious he is, but that he's given us a beautiful responsibility that he, he empowers us in to be representatives of him in this world as we carry the presence of God into, into our lives. I'm going to pray and we'll close it for tonight. God, we just thank you that you are not finished with any of us. 
And Lord, I know that some of us, or I know that me, we're not actually we're all we're all not perfect. God, we we thank you that um, we need you. In fact, this world needs you. And Lord, we we don't want to leave this place without being filled by you and and having you with us, walking with us in this week, into this week. Lord, not just to to see victory in our own situations and circumstances, but to be used by you to bring victory into other people's situations and circumstances in the power of Jesus' name and through the power of your Holy Spirit in us. And we thank you so much, God, for the potential that's in every single heart in this room. As we, If we surrender our hearts to you, you're able to use us mightily this week in little ways for your kingdom. And Lord, as, as we go from here, help us to remember that we are like priests. We represent you to the people around us. We carry your presence to the people around us. And help us to be people that make a difference, God. Not to look down on people, but to serve others just as Jesus did. And to and to bring you into every situation we find ourselves on. To recognize your presence with us too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.